Hey dads, before we jump into today's episode, I want to let you know about a great resource we have for you called the Dad-Son Challenge, 10 manly activities that dads and sons can do together. These are fun activities that you and your son can do to help both of you get better at being men that are based around the five marks of manhood that we talk about in each episode of Manly Tales. So go to manhoodtribes.com challenge where you can download your free dad-son challenge today. That's manhoodtribes.com slash challenge. Welcome to Manly Tales, stories for making men out of boys, a podcast for dads and sons to listen to together. I'm Don Ross, the host of Manly Tales, and each episode you'll hear my sons and me talk about the stories that are inspiring and teaching us about what it means to be a man. We're excited to have you listen in with us. This episode is part of Season 2 of Manly Tales, where we're talking about the Knights of the Round Table. Today's episode is about Sir Percival. Let's listen together. Long before he was a knight and before he met his two beloved friends, Galahad and Bors, young Percival lived deep within the woods with his widowed mother. Percival lived in peaceful ignorance of the truth about his fraternal lineage. His mother kept it a secret that his father was one of Arthur's knights, who had died in a battle protecting the realm. In an effort to protect Percival from ever meeting the same fate, his mother secluded the both of them deep within the forest and never spoke of the knights. However, she did raise Percival to be a hard-working and considerate young boy. One day, as young Percival was wandering through the forest in search of different herbs for their kitchen, he came across a group of Arthur's knights who were traveling through the woods. He had never seen or heard of such figures before, and seeing their shining armor, mistook them for angels. His boldness and curiosity spurred him to approach them and began asking them many questions about who they were and where they came from. When being asked questions like, Are you angels? Is your shining outer layer some sort of carapace? Have you always looked like this? One of the knights stepped forward with a chuckle, advising young Percival, Slow down there, young one. Your curiosity could serve you well. However, if you ask so rapidly and brashly, it could put people off. Percival felt a bit embarrassed, and having been so enamored with the knights, swore to himself to keep his curiosity quiet for the rest of his days. As Percival grew, he trained and pursued knighthood, and eventually became a knight of the round table, meeting two very dear friends along the way, Galahad and Bors. In Percival's youth, Galahad was gifted with a holy vision of the age to come. Within this vision, the knights were instructed to be in search of the Holy Grail. The knights were told that the discovery of this holy artifact would usher in a new and prosperous era. Arthur had entrusted each of the knights with searching for this relic. Percival, having a naturally inquisitive mind, although he kept it quiet, set off in search of any information regarding the grail. One day, as he was traveling along the banks of a river, he encountered an elderly and sickly-looking man fishing in the river. Percival was greeted by the old man. "'Welcome to my land, good sir knight. I am the lord here. Prithee, come to my castle for dinner this eve. I am throwing a grand banquet.' "'I would be honored, my lord,' Percival responded. Percival wanted to ask about what ailment the elder lord suffered from, but the voice of the knight of his childhood echoed in his mind. Asking questions could put people off. And thus Percival kept his curiosity to himself. That evening at the banquet, Percival was seated at the right hand of the Fisher King. In the candlelight of the banquet hall, the Lord looked even more sickly, but Percival continued to remain silent, not wanting to offend his host. There was much revelry, and the guests were in bright spirits. 
until everyone went silent and began looking to one of the banquet hall's entrances. Percival followed the guest's silence and looked toward the door. Then began an odd processional. First, there was an individual bearing a long, gleaming spear with blood upon its tip. Then there was an individual carrying a candelabra. Finally, an individual carrying a shining cup that shone more brightly than any candle in the castle. This be the chalice I have been looking for? Whose blood was upon that spear? What was the significance of the strange processional? Why would the sickly lord have the holy grail? What is he ailing from? Why, why invite me in and show me this? Why does he not share more with me? All of these questions and more raced through Percival's head. But for fear that he would insult his host by asking too many questions, decided to keep quiet. The banquet continued as it had begun, but no one mentioned the spear or the cup as if they weren't even there. The Lord invited Percival to rest at the castle that night. Percival took the Lord up on his offer and went to bed. Questions and thoughts still swimming in his mind, but going unsaid. Upon waking the next morning, Percival was shocked to find the castle completely empty. No inhabitants, or even any sign of inhabitants, were found anywhere. Percival headed outside in search of anyone. As soon as he stepped foot out of the castle, the great door shut, and as he turned to see who may have shut the doors, the castle vanished, as if it were never there to begin with. As soon as the castle vanished from this place, Percival heard weeping. In following the sound, he came across a young woman wailing in despair. Upon seeing Percival, she began berating him. Why did you not ask our fisher king of his ailment? Why did you not ask him of his spear, of, of the cup? Your choice to remain in ignorance due to your pride has doomed us, you fool. This land and its inhabitants are cursed to live between worlds, neither fully here nor there. Our goodly king is cursed with feeble body that will never heal nor will it die, but he is caught between life and death. And the only thing that would break this curse is just for one to ask him of one of these things, just one question showing they care would lift the curse, but, but no, you, in your fear of what might be thought of you, kept silent, and in your silence doomed us to live in this in-between. Overwhelmed by what he was hearing, and not being able to keep his questions to himself any longer, Percival responded, What must I do to right the wrongs I have done here, my lady? You must seek to repent of your self-focused silence. Seek to lay down your sense of pride and engage in the humility of curiosity. It is a gift already given to you. Seek to no longer hide it. You will find that engaging in your curiosity, you will grow not only in knowledge, but in connection with others. Once you have worked at this, then seek once again the Fisher King. We never know where or when we will return, so keep a weather eye. And with these final words, the woman vanished just as the castle had. With a newfound resolve, Percival sought to learn how to lay down his armor. Not the plate mail that protected him from weapons, but the silence that protected his image. Through the next year, he sought to engage in his curiosity, to ask the questions, to make mistakes, to not be afraid to offend. What Percival found was that he not only grew in knowledge of the world around him, but he found that his very fear that asking questions would put people off and would create distance and judgment. Well, the opposite happened. Through his curiosity, 
he became closer to the people around him. Throughout his time of practicing and learning this lesson, he was still in search of the Fisher King's transient castle. When one clear summer day, he came across it again. The Fisher King still looked sickly, greeted Percival, and invited him into his banquet. The banquet unfolded as it had in the previous experience. Percival anxiously awaited the entrance of the strange processional. The crowd grew silent as before. Then the spear, candelabra, and cup were brought through the banquet hall as before. As these artifacts left the banquet hall, Percival turned to the Fisher King and asked, My lord, what I have seen here is strange to me, and my mind is buzzing with so many questions, I don't even know where to begin. So, what does this processional mean to you? The elderly Fisher King smiled and sighed with the relief of someone who had long been holding his breath. And as he began to speak, his sickly demeanor seemed to change as he seemed to speak with more virility and health. These are the shadows of the artifacts depicting the life of our Lord Jesus. The spear with the blood representing the spear that had pierced his side. While he was upon the cross dying for the sins of the world, the candelabra representing he being the light in the dark world. And finally the cup, representing the cup the Lord drank from at the Last Supper with his disciples, representing communion and connection, he with us. This is the significance of the processional to us here, and we view these symbols nightly as reminders. However, these are but shadows. The actual artifacts lay upon the island of Avalon. It is upon Avalon that your quest for the Holy Grail, Percival, will come to an end. And it is here that my own journey comes to an end. And with a joy-filled sigh, the Fisher King and his kingdom vanished, leaving Percival underneath the stars, with a full heart and a smile upon his face. I must tell King Arthur the news. We can complete the final leg of our quest on the island of Avalon. Okay, well, we are getting further and further into the story of the Knights of the Round Table and the quest for the Holy Grail, and this is getting really, really good. I, I love the story of Sir Percival and the Fisher King. I think this one is really exciting and gives us some great examples of marks of manhood and things that we can talk about today. So why don't you guys just start out by um, sharing with us what were some of your like favorite moments in, in the story? Well, I really liked the um the three symbols in the story that was representing Jesus with the um spear when he was stabbed on the night he was crucified, the candle abra to represent how um bright Jesus shines, and the um cup that him and his disciples drank from the night before he died. Yeah, that was cool. That was fun kind of getting to hear what all of those things represented uh, yeah. in the story. That was neat. Colton, what about you? What were some of your favorite moments in the story? I liked how he was like Oh, I need to keep my curiosity in, but like the lady was like, no, keep your, don't keep your curiosity to yourself. It's a gift. Like ask people questions and it'll help you and help other people as well. And how 
they were finally free from the like in between dimensions thingy, Bob. Yeah, that's true. I really like that as well. I just thought the the you know the part in the story was really cool when uh, he woke up the next morning and there was no one in the castle and he left the castle and it vanished. Like all of that was, r- mm. yeah, really kind of unexpected but really cool. I think it made for a great like teaching moment in the story. Um, okay, so at uh, Manly Tales, one of the ways that we talk about our stories so that we can learn what it means to be a man is by looking for our five marks of manhood. And why don't y'all share this time? Do y'all remember what our five marks of manhood are? Strength, courage, skill, honor, and allegiance. Yeah, very good. So we try to look for all of those things in our stories because we think the five marks of manhood are what every man should demonstrate in their life to show that they are living as a man. So what in our story about Sir Percival do you feel like were some of the marks of manhood that stood out to you? Um, Some marks, marks of manhood that stood out to me was... um. Courage, how he was like at first like didn't want to um be like his cur or his like curiosity to like show it to people but the lady was like like I said earlier, do it, be be curious and so he did and the whole the whole like thousands of people were saved. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And I like that, too, because, you know, he was kind of basing that off of what one of the knights had told him earlier in his life that, you know, that he shouldn't ask so many questions because it might put people off. And he had kind of like taken that to heart in some ways that were causing him to live in fear. And so even though that may have been the knight may have had good intentions in trying to offer that advice early on in his life, and it ended up being something that actually wasn't good for him and caused him to live without courage. So, you know, when he finally did, when he decided, okay, I'm going to figure out how to do this. Uh, I liked that the story kind of told us like he made some mistakes and he, you know, he, he asked some questions and, you know, didn't worry about offending people. But in the process of doing that, he'd learned a lot of things and learned how to be a good question asker and be curious. And his courage really served him well in that way. I agree, Colton. I think that was a great one. Eli, what about you? Any marks of manhood that stood out to you in the story? Well, um, for me, this one was a little different, but I really saw honor because he, even though he didn't know this person, he went back to the Fisher King's castle knowing that he could right his wrong and he went back and asked questions so that the Fisher King could be free of his sickness. And I just thought that was really cool because he was kind of helping out a person that he really didn't know, but he wanted him to be through of his sorrow. Yeah, absolutely. I I totally agree. I think that's awesome. He saw an opportunity where he could make something right that he could have done better and he sought to do it. I think that's fantastic. Um, Okay. Well, so like based on that, what are some things that you guys think you could learn from Sir Percival and that you could put into practice in your life today? How could you be more like Sir Percival? Um, You could um, be more curious and ask more questions. Yeah. What like... Do you have any ideas of like what that might look like in your life? Like, how would you want to be more curious? Well, um, you could like see someone in your classroom with you or at school that might look kind of down or sad and like asking them kind of like saying, hey, are you okay?" Like just I know from experience of being sad about something like having someone come up to you and without telling them they notice that you are sad and like that just means a lot. 
Yeah, I think that's fantastic. I think just being aware of the people and the situations around you and, you know, with some humility, just wanting to know, hey, what's going on? Tell me about what's happening in your life or in your story. I think being curious about other people is a really great thing. All right, so let's wrap up then with our story today. We always try to close out our Manly Tales episodes by giving you guys, our listeners, uh, a question to discuss with each other so that you can keep the discussion going even after the episode is done. So our question today for the dads is, what questions are you afraid to ask and who do you need to ask them to? And the question for the son is, what is one thing you're curious about? Okay, that's it for today. We hope you enjoy this episode of Manly Tales, and we will look forward to seeing you next time. Bye-bye. See you guys later. Manly Tales stories are adapted and performed by Josh Burns. For more information about the show, visit manlytales.com. Hey, dads, don't forget to download your dad-son challenge, 10 manly activities that dads and sons can do together. Just go to manhoodtribes.com slash challenge.